Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9 because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. Sirius XM Radio presents in conjunction with House of Athlete. I am athlete tonight. What up, what up, what up, everyone? This is I Am Athlete Tonight. I'm your host, 10-year NFL defensive lineman, Lee J. And you know I got my squad with me, host of Sports Illustrated, Ashley Nicole Moss. What's up, what's and up, what's up? My, <laughs> and my guy, B-Flow, 10 years in the NFL, was a Pro Bowl corner with the Kansas City Chiefs. B-Flow, Ashley, how y'all doing tonight? We good, man, we good. We got a show lined up that we ready to get into, you know. Oh, man, there's a lot to discuss in this show. Kevin Durant, you know, fired at the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the owner came back. But let's go ahead and jump into the school show. Like you said before, we got a lot to discuss. Baker Mayfield has impressed Panthers offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo, which is interesting because McAdoo once was Mayfield's biggest critic. We'll discuss that. Kevin Durant gave the Brooklyn Nets an ultimatum. And Nets owner Joe Sy responded to that ultimatum, and it wasn't the answer KD was looking for. We'll discuss that as well. And will Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens work out an extension before the season starts? But first, Serena Williams plans to evolve away from tennis. Now, Serena Williams recently just announced that she plans to retire after the U.S. Open. Now, in Vogue September issue, Serena Williams prepares to say farewell to tennis on her own terms, in her own words, she says, it's the hardest thing that I could ever imagine. I don't want it to be over, but at the same time, I'm ready for what's next. Now, William shared her thoughts about her future in this first person essay on Vogue.com, suggesting that the U.S. Open could be her final tournament. She admitted she had mixed feelings about her next chapter and didn't even like using the word retirement, instead opting for evolution. Now, Serena is second to none when it comes to the tennis court. Let's just list off some of her accomplishments. 73 single uh, titles, 23 uh, Grand Slam single titles, which is most in tennis history, 14 Grand Slam double titles, four Olympic gold medals, and $94 million in prize money. Now, she was a true legend, the GOAT, and will go down as possibly the greatest athlete to ever walk the face of the earth and it you know her reach doesn't just end on the tennis court right she did a lot off the court as well she spent time much of her time dedicated to philanthropy uh williams currently served as the goodwill ambassador for the unicef which is the united nations children's fund which is an agency of the united nations that administers programs to aid education and child and maternal health in developing countries ashley what has Serena meant to not only the tennis world, but all the sports? 
I mean, she's the GOAT. I, I say this all the time. She's the greatest athlete to ever do it. And that's period, point blank. But I think that she also changed the way I feel like female athletes can exist, right? Because Serena has never um, shied away from being assertive. She's never shied away from being outspoken. She's never shied away from being a little hood. She's never shied (laughs) away from, you know, living in her truth in the way that she dresses and the things that she says. And I think that it's given, it's opened up this avenue for female athletes to not have to exist in a space of being submissive all the time and quiet and timid. You know, we, we celebrate men, you know, you see LeBron and you see, you know, the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game or baseball players. And they're, you know, they're slamming their chests and they're, they're doing their dances and, you know, they're breaking their bats and you, you love that. Right. Cause it showcases this, um, you know, this passion and this drive and this, this athleticism and, you know, you, you celebrate that, but when a woman does it, you kind of look at her like, mm, that's not cute. And I think Serena's pushed those boundaries and said, look, I am an athlete, like period, like what's good for the men is good for me. And if you have a problem with it, oh, well, this is what it is. And I love that. And I think that it's just given women, not only in sports, but just across the board, whether you're, you report in sports, just the confidence and the, the space to feel like they can exist in so many different facets. And that's, all Serena and I'm forever grateful. And listen, her husband actually is a friend of mine. And I know that the things that she works, you know, with her venture capitalism is just going to blow up. Like I'm so excited for this next chapter from her. It's going to be great. Yeah. Before I ask you the same question, what do you think Serena has meant to the world of tennis and just the world of sports period? I mean, Ash hit on so much, you know, like what Serena even did for the sport. She brought over a whole different demographic to even watch mm. the sport. I mean, so. <laughs> I'll kind of slide by and glance through tennis for a little bit, but when Serena came on the scene, her and Venus, like you were glued in and you almost expected her to win every match. I don't care what athlete you watch in any sport, maybe Tiger, right? You don't expect no. them to win every time they're on the court. And I think it's just so beautiful, you know, to watch her grow from a girl to a woman in a sport and the way she carried herself and the way, you know, she just respected the game. I mean, she did it. She did it flawlessly. And we don't necessarily give her as much credit as we should have throughout her run, because what she did and we don't rank her as one of the best athletes ever. Like now we're doing it because we're looking at her stats and that's another athlete like LeBron. We don't realize what she did in that sport until you sit back when she retired and say, damn, she did this. She did yeah. that. Yeah. Like we didn't like really appreciate that when she was doing it. So I hope she get the flowers she deserved now. Like we appreciate what she did for the sport, what she mean, meant for the community. You know, when she moved from Cali down to West Palm Beach, I actually met her when she was young and was a teenager. So to even like see her from where she was at that time with the bees in her head, her and Venus, mm-hmm. you know, and they was playing tennis at the park in the hood. So for us to see that as kids, like, I feel like that's a reason why I was able to play in the NFL. I seen somebody do it. Her dad brought her to the hood to like, let us see her play tennis. And when she got on the big stage, man, it was just like, that's the same woman that was just right here. So she inspired so many that she don't even know. She definitely, uh, 
she gave the game a different type of feel. Even her swag on the field, like right. on the court, like what she did for the game is mm. monumental, man. So salute to Serena. And without her, I mean, there's no Coco Golf. There's yeah. no yeah. Naomi Osaka. Naomi, there's, you know, there's not this next generation of of tennis players who are going to change what the sport of tennis looks like. This was a predominantly or all white sport because it was so expensive. You know, you look at the sports that are predominantly black and the ones that are predominantly white, the main, the fundamental, you know, thing in that is that one's more expensive than the other. That's why you don't see a lot of black people playing baseball, right? Mm. You don't see a lot of black people playing hockey. You don't see a lot of black people playing tennis. And I think now, yeah, that will, that may take a while to completely change. And also tennis is an international sport. So you have so many different countries that have their hand um, in it. But now you have a idol to look up to for the next, you know, sister pair coming out of Compton or any inner city in America. And it's now a reality. It's a possibility because the Williams sisters did it. And Serena just ran with it when she did it. So it's it's dope. Yeah, Ashley, you kind of hit on it. And I think B-Flow, you made a, a great pivotal point about diversity in tennis. Right. So B-Flow, like how did she specifically, Serena, push the culture and diversity forward when it came to tennis? It's just because every little girl, right, of color, they just felt like, I didn't even know, like, not saying that they didn't feel accepted in that sport. They didn't They didn't think to go the tennis route because they haven't mm-hmm. seen it before. And that's actually a sport where they could dominate because they're agile. Like, it it fits what they're, what they're just about. You know, a lot of basketball, well, a lot of women play basketball, softball, whatever. So they'd be so athletic coming out. And when you translate that to the tennis court, I mean, it's so much more dominant. Like Ashley said, like a Coco golf, right? Coco is from Delray Beach, where I'm from. So I seen her as a little girl. She played basketball coming up. And when she transferred those skills to the tennis court from just watching inspiration, like Serena saying like, mm. that maybe can be me one day. Like she crushing it at an early age. And just what she did, man, for the culture. That's big. Yeah. Ashley, we talked about all the accolades Serena has. Uh, do you believe yeah. she goes down as the greatest athlete ever? Absolutely. I started this segment off saying that she's the GOAT. And I think that she's not only the GOAT because, and this is no knock to men because it's not their fault that, you know, nature is nature. But I think she's also the GOAT because a lot of her accomplishments towards the later part of her career, she did pregnant. She did as a new mother. She did dealing with postpartum. She dealt with, you know, um, rehabbing not only as an athlete, but also as a new mother, C-sections and and those, how your body changes through that. I mean, it's just a different level of um, obstacle than that a man could never deal with. And that's not because like he's weaker or whatever. It's just because that's the way nature is. So I think you have to look at her in just so many different lights and realize like not only did she overcome so much as an athlete but she overcame so much as a woman and an athlete and that just adds a different type of layer and whether you're a tennis fan or not you have to respect I mean I read the um Vogue um issue that she was in and I also remember the story because I watched her documentary I mean she almost died giving birth to her child and then dealt with the postpartum for months and still went out and competed as the greatest athlete, the greatest tennis player we've ever seen. I mean, you just have to 
you just have to respect that and just know that it's it's rare to see that happen. And one thing we don't think about, she had an 85% win percentage, right? And this is a yeah. single solo sport. Dude, right. you know, like we play, like if we tripping on defense, hey, oh, y'all got to get us, bro. Like y'all right. got to so, carry yeah. us. It's like, nah, she had to be on point so many different times. Every time, hurt. Yeah. She get in the slump, she mm-hmm. got to get herself out of it. So to be that dominant, and how many titles she won? You said, Deuce? Like, oh, God. 23 it's out grand of slams. 23 grand slams, which is the, the like record in tennis. <laughs> like, we don't put one that. She, let's put that in. <laughs> and one of those, she won pregnant. Which is yeah. I believe she was, what, like two months pregnant, Ashley? I think she, she I think said. she was about two or three months pregnant. Yeah exhausted you know physically exhausted her but you know did not have the easiest pregnancy even very early on and won a grand slam like just put that into perspective like yeah Yeah, to me she she goes down as the greatest athlete ever and brandon we talk about this when it comes to to male sports and i don't know why it doesn't translate over to female sports longevity right you talked about it you met her as a teenager yeah she's still playing at the age of 40 so people talk about tom brady and playing for 20 plus years in the nfl like again this is a sport where it's all on you you one-on-one now of course they do the doubles with her sister serena but a lot of times like you said nobody has your back you have a bad set you got to come back on your own nobody's coming to save you and for her to be that dominant for that many years I mean, you have to put her as the GOAT, man. Not only that, but I mean, if you watch Serena's matches, and I'm a tennis fan, so I've watched a lot of Serena's matches. I mean, the velocity of which she serves. Oh, God, it's crazy. The toll it takes on your back and just your whole oblique system. I mean, it's insane. And she's done that and done it at a high level for years it's not like she had a couple good years and then she fell off and it's like oh once upon a time she served like that for the majority (laughs) of her career that's insane yeah this is i am athlete tonight i'm your host lee j dudes but with my squad ashley nicole moss and brandon flowers and we were talking about serena williams evolving away from the game of tennis and we go from one player walking away from the game she loves to another player Asking to be traded, and that's all pro linebacker Roquan Smith, who has requested a trade out of Chicago. Now, the linebacker issued a statement uh, via Ian Rappaport of NFL Media, media noting that writing the words, he's requested a trade, was deeply painful. Smith goes on to say this. Unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. They've refused to negotiate in good faith. Every step of this journey has been take it or leave it. The deal sent to me is one that would be bad for myself and for the entire linebacker market if I signed it. I've been trying to get something done that's fair since April, but their focus has been on trying to take advantage of me. I wanted to be a bear for my entire career, help this team bring a Super Bowl back to our city. However, they have left me no choice than to request a trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values what I bring to the table. Now, since Roquan Smith rookie season, which was in 2018, only Bobby Wagner and Shaquille Leonard, who was Darius Leonard, he changed his name, are the only NFL players with more tackles. And Smith has been named a second team all pro linebacker in each of the last two seasons. b Flow. What in the world are the Chicago Bears doing by not locking up Roquan Smith as a foundational piece? Look, first off, Roquan a dog, right? Yeah. And he a linebacker in Chicago. You feel like, hey, that's our pedigree. Like, that's what we know. You got to be special like, when you go there as a linebacker. Or like linebackers. Yeah. And he's a three-down linebacker, right? Yeah. I just hope this is the situation. They're doing the Tyreek Hill situation where it's like, bro, we love you. 
but you asking for everything and we can't give it to you. So we're going to make sure you go somewhere you want to go and they're respecting him as that player that he is, because I can't see no other reason why Chicago ain't making this happen. He's a cornerstone. <laughs> he's a core player for the defense. Like yeah. he go made it. He gives that defense an identity. You don't get players like that too often. Right. So but, now but go this ahead, is my dude. question before, like if they're not going to throw him the bag, like who else are you throwing the bag to on that defense? Like he is the foundational piece on that defense. Like Robert right. Quinn had over 18 sacks last year, but you know, he was, he came out like not too far after us. So he's been in the league for a long time. You're not going to really build your defense around Robert Quinn. Like I don't, but, I, honestly, I don't understand what new GM Ryan Poles is doing there. But, but dudes, you know how these guys is up top, man. You, they feel like, listen, it's me, you know, bringing these athletes in now. I'll draft, you know, I'll build in the draft. And yeah, see, that pisses me off. Guy. You know, like <laughs> ego take part in negotiations. And these guys that's in them front offices feel like I'm here for a reason too, right? Yeah. They all they always want to prove a point that hey, if we let this guy go, I can bring somebody in. Segment like that's their whole egotistical thing, mm. right? Like we played for so many teams that when you go to the front office, they always feel like they can replace anybody. Everybody okay, right? <laughs> So I I think that's just what's going on here. This is a new regime. You know, they didn't draft him. So I just felt, you know how it is. They don't draft you. They not, they don't have any time to you, right? That's a good good point, B-Flow, because I think a lot of listeners or fans might not know this. Like when a new GM comes in, right, um, the the players that are there, a lot of times they have this one-track mind of thinking, right? I didn't bring these players in. They're not going to fit the system, the mold that I want in. But to me, that's nonsense. If you got a guy like Roquan Smith, who was a perennial pro bowler, he fits every damn system. I don't give a damn what you're talking about, GM. And I honestly, this was my next question to you before. Like, I have questions of what, you know, the new GM Ryan Poe's direction is. Like, what is his vision? Because, again, you know, Justin Fields was drafted there last year. He didn't draft him, right? But it also it also seems like he's almost setting him up to fail this year because he didn't bring in an offensive tackle until right before camp and Riley Reef. They're going to be starting a rookie left tackle in Braxton Jones, who I really liked at the Senior Bowl, but he was a fifth-round pick. Justin Fields got killed last year. Hmm. And then on the outside, you let Allen Robinson walk out the door, right? <laughs> you know, Mooney's a good young player. He could be a foundational piece. But you don't really have any viable pass catchers out there. You drafted Velsius Jones, I believe, in the third round, and he's an older rookie. He's like 25 years old. But, like, you haven't really helped Justin Fields at all. Like, how can you truly evaluate somebody if you don't put pieces around them? You can't. And you know what? <laughs> Straight up, man. It, it kind of it sucks that he plays a position that's not value, value as high, right? Running backs and linebackers, a lot of a lot of franchises feel like they're disposable. Now, if he was a left tackle or edge rusher or a corner, they'd have been like, all right, we ain't letting you out of the building. But you know how it is when it comes to linebackers and running backs. A lot of people really don't want to pay him that much, but I just think he's one of those guys you got to make an exception for. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't understand like what what's going on with Ryan Poles. Again, it seems like he's trying to set up a few of these players to fail. Because to your point, B Flow, like when a new GM comes in, they a lot of times want to tear it all down. They'll give you like one year. They're not going to really try to help you that much in that one year. If you're successful, then okay, maybe we can build off of this. But if you're not. Well, you know, I'm in here for a reason. I'm coming to tear everything down and build it the way I want to build it. And I just, I really despise that about the NFL. The thing that I always liked about my head coach, Rex Ryan, right? Even when he went to a new team, like whatever team he went to, if players could play, he would find out 
and put them in a position where they could be successful, right? Yeah. Even if they weren't his guys, right? If he was in, like, when I went to Buffalo, like, most of that roster wasn't guys he, he brought to Buffalo, but he found out a way, like, if you did this well, I'm going to put you in this position so you can make plays, right? Find a yeah. skill set that every player has and then use it to their best ability. Don't come in and say, well, they, you know, I didn't, they're not part of my regime. I'm just going to tear everything down. I mean, I think the NFL needs to change when it comes to that. I'll say yeah. one thing. We love, ahead, our line, we love our linebacker in Dallas. Hey, Micah. <laughs> you do good things, Micah. You know that that linebacker narrative does not apply in Dallas, Micah. Don't get any ideas, okay? That's all I'm asking. Well, right. <laughs> hey, but dude, this is weird that this is coming out now, right? Like, yeah. if you were thinking about contract talk, like, don't you feel like this would have been earlier in the offseason, not literally 30 days before the beginning of the well, season? Well, no, he says he's been trying to work out a deal since April with them, and they just haven't gotten it done. That's why, to me, before it's not the player. This coming, this is coming from upstairs 100% because there's no you, way you're working on a deal since April. Now, some instances, a guy could be, you know, trying to say, like, this is what this guy got and this is what I need to get. And yeah. honestly, in this case, he deserves to be top paid linebacker exactly. because if you look what he's done the last few years, he's one of the top linebackers in the league. Again, only Bobby Wagner and Shaquille Leonard have more tackles than this guy in the last four seasons. So, like, he deserves to be up there and getting paid that money. And he's still young. New regime, they want to see what he does in their new regime first yeah. before they give him that bag. That, that's all yeah. that is. If he go out there and play like the first five games, they might get to him. Yeah, we'll see. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, y'all? The Home Depot Retool Your School program is back on the yard and back at it again, bringing up to $150,000 in campus improvement grants to help upgrade and uplift your favorite HBCU campuses. Not only is Retool Your School partnering with HBCUs, but it's also inviting you to join by voting online only at retoolyourschool.com slash vote. You can vote as many times as you want, as often as you want, whenever you want, now through March 24th. If you want to support change across HBCU campuses, all you have to do is vote. So keep doing, keep building, and keep supporting HBCUs at retoolyourschool.com slash vote. Retool your school powered by purpose. This is Brandon Marshall from I Am Athlete here to talk about my favorite go-to Britty meal that I can't always enjoy because the carb fear is real. But carb-heavy foods are often the ones we love most. But Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences and compromises. Zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber, delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a refreshing, maybe, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. Something for every craving, including sliced bread, loaves, buns, and tortillas. Monthly small drops of indulgence, favorites like the two-gram net carb Hero Croissant, or the one gram net carp hero cheddar biscuit. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code athlete at checkout. That's athlete at H E R O dot C O. Hurry and get 10% off your order when you use athlete at H E R O 
Co. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome back to I Am Athlete. Tonight, I am your host, Lee Doosable, with my squad, Ashley Nicole Moss and Brandon Flowers. Shout out to the Ravens Radio on Sirius XM for giving us that clip of Lamar Jackson's touchdown pass and also the Ravens NFL Radio Training Camp Tour, which actually happened today. Lamar Jackson talking about how he's working to be at the top of his game and John Harbaugh just talking about how Lamar Jackson is having a great camp and how he loves having him as a quarterback. And it's time for our countdown to kickoff segment. Now, our countdown to kickoff segment, we really hone in on one team, focus in on them as we lead up to the opening kickoff in the NFL season between the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. And today's team, you could have guessed it, the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson returns after missing five games last year. To me, he was the MVP frontrunner the first eight weeks of the season, had Baltimore in first place in the AFC before his injury. Injury, he still threw for over 2,800 yards, 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and rushed for over 760 yards. Now, this team was riddled with injuries. I'm talking about ridiculous injuries all up and down the roster. Starting at the running back position, they lost their top three running backs before the season even started. J.K. Dobbins is coming back from injury. He was just activated from the pup list. Gus Edwards, there's some question marks. If he'll actually be ready for week one, and Justice Hill comes back. At uh, the receiver position, they traded away Marquise Hollywood-Brown, who was their number one receiver. Rashad Bateman takes over that number one receiver spot. He missed the first five games of the season with an injury and ended the year last year with 46 receptions for over 515 yards. Their tight end, Mark Andrews, to me, was the best tight end in football last year. Over 100 receptions with over 1,300 receiving yards. Nick Ball is their blocking tight end. He returns from injury. Plus, they drafted Isaiah Likely, who was more of a, you know, receiving threat at the tight end position. O-line, their Pro Bowl offensive tackle, Ronnie Stanley, still has not returned from injury, but they're hoping they get him back soon. They drafted the number one center in the draft and Tyler Lindenbaum and also drafted Daniel Fa'alele, the big offensive tackle to really man that right tackle spot. On defense, man, the Ravens defense have been one of the best defenses in NFL, but because of the injuries last year, they really struggled. They gave up the most passing yards in football and also led the league in giving up most yards per play. Six yards per play is what they gave up last year. So they get their two cornerbacks back that were pro bowlers. Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey are both coming back from injury. They drafted Kyle Hamilton, who some had as the number one safety in the draft, and signed safety Marcus Williams from the New Orleans Saints. They signed back Calais Campbell to defensive end to really lock in that leadership group on the defensive line. Drafted D-tackle Travis Jones to hold down the middle of that defensive line. And David Ojabo, the guy they drafted out of Michigan, tore his Achilles at his pro day workout. We don't know when he'll be back, maybe November, December, if at all this season. But they drafted him to pair him with Adafe Owe on the outside at edge. B-Flow, will the Ravens and Lamar Jackson come to a contract extension before the season kicks off? And if you're Lamar Jackson, do you even chance playing without a new deal? Oh, this is so tough, man. Let me ask you this, dude. I know I should know this question, but is Lamar Jackson still his own agent? 
Yeah. Yeah. So his mom technically is his agent, and they like have a group of people that work with them. No, I think his mom is his manager. And but I, I mean, I think that, but they're handling supposedly the, the no, negotiation yeah, part. She handles it, but she's technically yeah. not an agent. She's his yeah. manager who handles yeah. all his. So stuff. Yeah, technically, he's his own agent. Yeah. So right. this is why I don't think it gets done before the season. Bro, you're in training camp. You can't be worrying about contract talks, right? Like, yeah. that's too much that's going to be pulling you away from the game. Mm. You should be, and I get it, bro, you should be one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid quarterback in the league. Because if you look at his, what he did in the uh, Ravens franchise, I mean, he's the first quarterback in Ravens history to make a first team all pro. You know, most passing mm-hmm. yards by a quarterback in the game. Of course, it's most rushing in the game. Most passing touchdowns in the season. Most games with a perfect passer rating. Like, you're not getting another Lamar Jackson anytime soon. Mm. So I would think you would want to lock this guy up. But the only thing that's hindering me from that is like, if you're your own agent, bro, you don't have time to be negotiating no deal coming from practice and meetings and handling all this, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's the only reason that it won't. But the Ravens need to think of something quick because I don't even think we've seen the ceiling of Lamar yet. I still don't like the offense that he's in. It's not giving him a chance to throw the ball. So he's nowhere near his ceiling. So if the Ravens are smart, they might want to pay him like before the season starts because he's coming back this season with vengeance. Like Lamar, dog, some players have that it factor about them. Like no matter what goes on, I'm going to do me. And you don't want that number to be way higher than what it would have been at the start of the season. Not only that, but I'll I'll take it from the other perspective. And Lamar doesn't want to go into the season with no type of protection. Like, God forbid right. you get hurt, right? And what if you get hurt and it takes you a while to rehab? Or maybe when you do rehab, you're not quite the same player that you were. We've seen that. I've spoken about that with Dak Prescott, right? Dak, mm-hmm. But, you know, the Cowboys ultimately pay Dak Prescott because right. they saw what life was like without him, but Dak is now a different player. He's not as fearless on the run anymore. He's much more um, comfortable in the pocket. And when he does run, it's not the same vengeance and it's not the same distance. It's not the same speed. So that's always a possibility. And you want to make sure you have some sort of monetary um, protection from that. You don't want to go into a new season with no contract. And it's unfortunate and it's crappy that I feel like at least the Ravens are taking advantage of the fact that this is a guy who does not have an agent. If Mm. this were a quarterback with an agent, there's no way in hell that he would even be reporting to training camp without a contract. And the fact that he is and he's showing, look, I want to be here. I want to lead these guys. I want to win games. And you're still not taking that and doing right by him as he continues to do right by the organization. This is the same quarterback who every single time until recently that this is brought up, he changes the, he changes the conversation or he'll be like, look, when it gets done, it gets done. I'm here to win games. That type of loyalty is very rare, especially in a player led environment that we're in, in multiple sports, like stop taking advantage of that. And it, it says a lot about the Ravens that they continue to do so. Yeah, and Ashley, you hit on something that I want to talk about. You said the Cowboys learned what life was out, what life was like without Dak Prescott. And it was bad. Well, yeah, well, the Ravens learned last year too, right? Because like I stated, they were in first place in the AFC. Lamar Jackson gets hurt. They don't even make the damn playoffs. So if I'm Lamar Jackson, right, I wouldn't even step into camp without a deal. And honestly, the deal would have had to start at $230 million guaranteed. Ooh. I'm not taking a penny less than Deshaun Watson had. Because again, we always talk about 
a player or a quarterback that can elevate their team when there's injuries, right? When, when you know, the offense isn't getting it done or the defense isn't get, getting it done. Can your quarterback elevate us to get us a win when we're not playing at our best? Lamar Jackson show last year Man. through the first eight weeks of the season with everybody hurt, top three running backs, uh, top quarterback, top offensive tackle, everybody hurt. He's blocking tight end. Didn't have any of those guys. And he was able to elevate that team to win after win. I remember the, the Detroit Lions game. They were in fear that they were going to lose to the Detroit Lions who hadn't won in forever, right? He was able to put a couple drives together at the end of the game, even though they had played piss poor pitiful. Hollywood Brown had dropped like three touchdowns that game. He was able to get Justin Tucker. Yeah, he was able to get Justin Tucker in range to kick, I believe, an NFL record uh, winning field goal at the end of that game. I I remember the Colts game, right? I believe it was Monday night. They were down by 21, B-Flow. This guy went on like four straight drives to lead his team, passing the ball, not even running the ball to win that game in overtime versus the Colts. So you always talk about a quarterback that can elevate your team. Lamar Jackson can do that, and he showed it last year. So I don't know why the hell this deal has not got done, to your point before, maybe because he doesn't have an agent. But, again, we would start. That would be the floor, $230 million if I'm Lamar Jackson. I hate the fact that Lamar Jackson is just a great person, right? He don't want to be a distraction, right? right? (laughs) Anybody else would have said, listen, like you said, Ash, Hollywood Brown ain't there no more. Like, you're taking away weapons still, and our division is getting better. Like, we just added Deshaun Watson. Like, what are we doing here? I hate that he don't want to be a distraction. And like Ashley said, also, you're not coming in this season with no security. This is one of the only offenses in the league that has designed quarterback runs like Correct. with the guy in this stature, right? So it's not even like he can stand in a pocket and kind of play that kind of ball where it's like, I'm going to get rid of the ball quick. I'm not going to get hit. I understand I don't have any protection. Like they call quarterback runs for him all game. And I just hope that don't mess with his psyche if a deal don't get done and he's not being explo- as explosive or trying to take the top off every time he touched the ball yeah. like he usually do when he is comfortable. Yeah. This is I Am Athlete Tonight. I am your host, Lee J. Doosable, with my squad, Ashley Nicole Moss and Brandon Flowers. And we're in our countdown to kickoff segment. And we're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. B-Flow, with all the injuries. I want to add something to that, too. I think that and it's the Ravens are putting Lamar in a very uh, just not a great spot. Because what happens is if Lamar were to say, look, I'm, and I guess I know this is not as popular in the NFL as it is in the NBA. If he says, look, I'm not playing until I get a new deal. He should. The Ravens don't look bad. Lamar looks bad. And maybe not to most and maybe not to a handful of people who are very pro athlete and pro, yeah. you know, like taking care of their business and treating it like the owners have, you know, for the entirety of its existence, like a business. You know, the hot takes are going to be Lamar selfish and he knew what it was <laughs> it, like this whole thing. So it's like he's in a very lose lose situation. Like I cannot play and now I look like the bad guy or I can play without any type of security from you guys. And God forbid something happens. What are you going to do? And it's very mm. rare that an organization will do the, like it happened with Dak Prescott. I'm using that as an example because obviously I'm a Cowboys fan. Jerry dragged his feet on that Dak Prescott contract. And what happened? In the midst of still dragging his feet, he got hurt. Ultimately, he did the right thing by Dak. It ended up paying him. Dak rehab came back and is re- was ready to go, looked fantastic and will you know be the same this season. But like, why make it harder than it has to be? Like pay your guy. He's been patient it's been seasons like pay him yeah 100 percent. b flow with all the, the injuries the ravens endured last season with guys coming back and they've added some key pieces in free agency i talked about marcus williams at the safety position 
Do you believe the Ravens have a, a way back to the top of the AFC North this year? Oh, oh for sure. Like the Ravens are the Ravens. Like mm-hmm. they just had that year where everybody just got banged up and they did. They started out straight. Yeah, they were the number one seed. A, yeah, <laughs> they they have an identity in Baltimore that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So as long as you have Lamar in place, I I I always give them a chance, right? Because Pittsburgh, yeah, they starting Trubisky. Mm, like we don't know how that's <laughs> gonna go. Uh, Deshaun Watson, he's not gonna be the starter for the first six games. Or maybe more, probably yeah, more, at least. You know, and then can Joe Burrow them just? Run it back. Like, we don't yeah. know. We don't know if that was fluke. So, of course, I give him a chance, especially having a unanimous MVP, NFL MVP behind center. Like, let's go. That's yeah. that's my favorite part about this whole thing is, like, the Ravens are dragging their feet like they have an alternative option. Like, it'd be <laughs> different if, like, your backup quarterback was, like, the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, right? Then it's like, all right, I don't got to pay Lamar. I got this guy. If he said, <laughs> what is your alternative, Baltimore? Like, Tyler Huntley. They, they believe in Tyler Huntley. Like you don't, you don't have an alternative here. You don't have a guy that is Lamar Jackson's status, and it's not even like you have a guy coming in the draft that's going to be like Lamar. You really don't have any options to be playing like hardball with this guy. Like it's really yeah. not in your favor to do this. And if you drag your feet long enough, listen. If 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 they don't pay him and Lamar plays, I'm demanding the trade. Get me <laughs> well, well. To put this, put this situation in perspective, you know, the Ravens had came out and said, you know, we're ready to give Lamar a deal. Like, he it. has to come meet us. Well, they, they were saying that he wasn't even taking their calls, supposedly. Like, we don't know if that's <laughs> facts saying, or not. Again, it's unconventional. <laughs> yeah, it's unconventional because he doesn't have an agent. But supposedly the Ravens like, we're trying to get a deal done with him. But, you know, Lamar has to come you know, to the table and talk to us because, you know, he wasn't there this offseason, right? He was out in Florida working out, trying to get bigger, which he did. Lamar he looks always, like he, he's always in Florida. That's where he's from here. Well, no, usually in the offseason, though, he goes back with the team when they have team workouts. But this offseason, he didn't do that. He stayed down in Florida the whole time, worked on his body because to Brandon's point, right, they actually have scripted runs for him during the game. So he felt like he needed to get a little bit bigger so he could take, you know, some of that brunt from the defenders when he's running the football. And he looks good. So I'm interested to see what happens. But if I, again, if I'm Lamar Jackson, there's no way in hell I'm signing anything less than $230 million guaranteed because that's what the Yo, Sean Lamar Watson needs to hire an agent to do this and then, and then fire him. Like, or just get a lawyer. Get, get somebody like he doesn't yeah. even have to be like you're the guy you stick with for the rest of your career if it's just so you can get the most you can get from the baltimore ravens in a contract and then you dump him look that's the name of the game like, but this, this is the is- interesting thing about it right they said lamar isn't really answering the phone and the mm. toughest thing this is why we hire agents dudes like we ain't trying to hear the team tell us why we shouldn't get a deal because <laughs> exactly. when you go with contract Facts. negotiations all they want to do is tell you why you shouldn't get this and Facts. Bro, we human. We go feel like, oh, this is how you feel about me? Then I'm, I'm out of here. Not, we're not supposed to hear those conversations. For not a only that, but it's so tedious and there's so much back and forth. Like even, you know, obviously I've never signed an NFL contract. I'm still waiting for the Cowboys to call me. But, you know, even in the media side, those contracts, they go back and forth and you try to get this clause changed. You try to get 100%. more money here. You try, like, well, I don't want to deal with that. Like, that's why I have people to do it for me. Like, just let me know where I got to sign and like, you know, move on. Like yeah. I get Lamar, you know, there's a few basketball players who don't have it. Like Jalen Brown notoriously didn't have an agent 
when he came into the league and was doing all those calls and stuff himself. And I think he just signed with an agency or like not even an agency to handle his marketing. I think, I still think he's agentless. Some guys mm-hmm. like having that control, but like, sometimes it's just easier to just have someone do your work for you. Like, yeah, hundred percent. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Right. Because after the Deshaun Watson deal, we felt like the next quarterback after that to get paid was going to do a fully guaranteed deal. And then Kyler Murray, Take $160 million guaranteed. I believe his whole deal was worth $230 million, but he didn't get it fully guaranteed. So we kind of talk about this on the show all the time, like guys pushing the position forward, right? And I think that's why Roquan Smith refuses to sign that deal because he even said that in his you know statement on, on Twitter, like, like it would have hurt me to sign the deal, but it also would have hurt the linebacking group as a whole, right? And I love when players are thinking about the future and the next guy's money now. Obviously, you care about your money. You want to get your money. But also, what are you doing to push the players forward, right? And I think Kyler Murray missed the boat by doing that. And if you're going to take $160 million, you just took one year off the deal and been like, well, give me a four-year $160 million deal guaranteed instead of a five-year $230 million deal where only 160 of it is guaranteed. So uh, if I'm Lamar Jackson again, He's got to try to push it forward again for the players, like fully guaranteed deal. Um, I don't care if it's two, three years. We saw DK Metcalf and Debo Samuels take smaller deals and get mostly guaranteed money out of their whole deal. I think that's what Lamar Jackson has to do. B-Flow, I talked about the defense a little bit in the intro. You know, this defense is synonymous with always bringing heat, you know, playing man on the outside. Again, they struggled last year, gave up NFL worth six yards per play. And the most passing yards. And that's what happens when you blitz all the time and you go man coverage and you don't have your two top corners out there. So now with everybody coming back before they added a, a really ball hawking safety in Marcus Williams, they got Kyle Hamilton in the draft again, brought Calais Campbell back as that veteran leadership on the defensive front. Do you think they go back to being a dominant defense again? Oh, for sure. Like that's in their DNA. And this is the only team in the league. Well, you'll see they have like 13 DBs that can start anywhere in the league, right? Facts. They like just rack up in the secondary because they know they need guys who can make plays on the ball. Cause like you said, they sit in the house. Marcus Peters, though, boy, everybody's coming back and they're coming back with a chip on their shoulder, right? They don't they don't like the idea that they're not the big dogs of the division. Like that's just the mm-hmm. Baltimore Ray. And that's what Ozzie Newsom, I know he's not the GM there no more, but that's what he instilled in those guys over there. So they'll be back to making plays. They got ball hawks. When you got ball hawks, that never leaves, right? And they always have a great front seven. That's just who they are. Though They are one of them teams that don't rebuild, they reload. So they're going to be trunk tight. Oh, that was a bar. <laughs> they reload. Ashley, who do you think is the most important piece? And I think I know your answer to the Ravens having success. Yeah. (laughs) Lamar Jackson. Like, it's really that simple. Like, no Lamar, no wins, no playoffs. Like, it doesn't matter how great your defense is. It doesn't matter how great your offense is if you don't have a quarterback to go ahead and put up points on the board. It's that simple. Like, I mean, especially with the caliber of quarterbacks in the league is getting better. You know, these divisions are getting better. These quarterbacks are coming into the league more prepared than ever before. And that's across the that's that's across the the threshold with sports in general. We talk about that in the NBA all the time, how these guys are coming into the league almost NBA ready perfectly because of all the things that are accessible to them that the guys before them didn't have access to the trainers, the nutrition, you know, all those things. So it's no different from the NFL and you can't afford to miss the boat on Lamar Jackson. You can't afford to him for him to be so unhappy that he says, look, 
when this contract is up, make sure you move me because I'm not coming back here. Like you don't want that to be the case. That is a situation that is a situation that could send this franchise back to the dark ages. And they don't want to go back there because they're relevant again. They're winning again. And they have an opportunity if they go ahead and do the right things and build the right team to really make some noise for many, many years to come. But that starts and ends with Lamar Jackson. You can't fumble that bag and you got to give Lamar his. It's that simple. 100%. B-Flow, who's the most important piece for the Ravens to have success this year? Man, it's their offensive coordinator. Like, Mm. you got to find a way to not let Lamar or make him play I hate the term scramble football, but you got to get the ball out of his hands quick. You can't run that run pass option and he's doing the same thing, design runs that Mm. get kind of boring and the defense kind of know what you're going to do when you expect him to make something out of nothing. Like you have Rashad Bateman, who you like. You have Mm. Devin Duvernay. Like use them as weapons. Let Lamar open this thing up and don't wait till you go down 21 or 28 points to try to air it out. And then we say, why we don't do that all game? Like I'm tired of the same thing when it comes to this guy Lamar Jackson like open it up and let him play football well that's been the issue with Greg Roman right he's a genius when it comes to different run plays he probably schemes up defenses better than anybody when it comes to the run people have asked like what can he do to be creative when it comes to the passing game to really help out Lamar Jackson so a lot of people have wondered is he truly the guy that can take Lamar Jackson to the next level I remember he was my offensive coordinator with the Bills. Now, I thought, again, he's great when it comes to run schemes and scheming defenses up. The question mark with him has always been the passing game. So I like that answer of Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator. To me, the most important piece is J.K. Dobbins, man. I thought he was in line to have a crazy season uh, last year. And if you're able to, you know, run the ball effectively, which the Ravens are going to do, right? They're going to have big offensive line. They're going to sit on people, right? They're going to have them double teams in the power game, the counter game. And if you could, you know, uptick you know, J.K. Dobbins carries to take some of that pressure off Lamar Jackson. Because like you said, B-Flow, they script run plays in for him. Like, they do a lot of zone read. They have quarterback power in their, you know, run game, which you, you think, you know, nobody would want to put their quarterback in harm's way. But the Ravens do that with Lamar Jackson. So I think J.K. Dobbins coming back, I think he's going to have a thousand yards this year. Honestly, I have him as in second place is my comeback player of the year. I think Jameis Winston is going to win comeback player of the year. Um, But I think J.K. Dobbins to me is in a close second. This dude is explosive. He's physical. He'll run through you. He'll run around you. And he has a speed to take it the distance. So I'm real interested to see how J.K. Dobbins, you know, comes off an injury. He just got, you know, off the pub list and just had his first practice, I believe, either yesterday or today. So it'll be interesting to see his development as he bounces back from his injury. I Am Athlete Tonight is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Support I Am Athlete Tonight with a five-star rating and by leaving a review. That's a big deal, guys. Stop being lazy. Pick up your phones and leave a review and give us a five-star rating. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Want more? Catch the full two hours of I Am Athlete Tonight weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Sirius XM channel 82. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash IAA tonight trial to start your free trial today. Sirius XM podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.